This morning, let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Of course, this is a lengthy psalm. We're going to look at verses 9 through 16. That'll be our focus this morning. But if you remember, in each part of this psalm is an acrostic, and your Bible probably has it marked that way. It'll have the name of the Hebrew alphabet. It doesn't show up in our English language, but every verse in that section will begin with that a Hebrew word that has that letter at its beginning. And then the next one looks real good in a Hebrew Bible. really does. But we're going to look at uh, the second section, verses 9 through 16. And there, each verse will begin with the letter, uh, the Hebrew letter, Beth. And what's interesting about that letter, Beth, is that that word also means a house. And I like what Dr. Lockyer says. He says, the key thought of our text is making our hearts a home for the word of God. Uh, so listen with that thought in mind. Making our hearts a home for the word of God as we read verses 9 through 16. So stand with me as we read these. And here the psalmist says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy youth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we just come. Uh, we thank you for the heart David had for your word. Uh, he just treasured it, didn't want to lay it aside, didn't want to forget it. Lord, help us to treasure your word that we would build a heart that would have a home for your word. Father, bless us now. Give us that heart. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's good for us to ask, uh, what condition is my heart in? The heart is so important. Uh, apart from God's grace, our heart can be occupied with so many other things. Uh, lust, greed, pride, selfishness, whatever. But God's grace can give us a heart we need. He can clean our heart, which is something we cannot do. You know, sometimes on television, we'll, news will see these reports, well, some ship will run, run aground and they get a major oil leak. And remember what it does to the shoreline, and especially the, to the wildlife, the seabirds? They just get coated in that stuff. And there's no way those birds can clean themselves. It takes a, someone else to come in, catch them, and to scrub them down. They can't do it. And the same way with our heart. We can't clean our heart. That's God's work. He's the one that cleanses the heart and prepares it. And many times he'll do it through his word, the Bible. That's how he'll cleanse our heart. He'll use that. 
So as we look at our passage here, the first question we need to ask, when should we begin? Notice what it says in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You see, the sooner we start living a holy life, a godly life, the better. Now the world will tell us, well, you can have your fun now and, and you got plenty of time and you can do those things later and get serious. That's what it likes to tell us. That's what the world offers. But God's answer is much different. God says if we're going to live a life for him, we need to begin at the earliest possible moment without delay. Hopefully we'll do it when we're young. That's what verse 9 is pointing to. We may not have later to do it. Do it now. I always like what some preacher said, if we're going to do anything for Jesus, do it today. Do it now. Uh, one of Satan's great tactics is he will tell us later. That's his favorite word. Later. A lot of times we'll decide to do something. You know, I'm going to start reading my Bible. And, and Satan will say, well, you can do that later. Why, why don't you just wait a couple days and get things gathered together and and then you can get to it. So why don't you start tomorrow? Next Sunday. Later. And he knows if he can delay it, he may, we just may get sidetracked. Get off task. Never do it. So do it right away. You know, the decisions of youth form habits that are hard to break. They set direction. So if we get in some good habits... Reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, joining the company of God, God's people, going to church, re staying away from sin, uh, being honest, uh, serving, doing good. Uh, those habits will go through us all through life. And they'll help us make decisions very easy. Bad habits can do us in. I think about, well, smoking's for one. Most people start smoking teenagers. Very rare if you see an adult in their 30s pick up smoking. Just doesn't happen. But as teenagers, we can pick up that habit, and that is something we'll wrestle with the rest of our lives. Difficult to overcome. That's just one area. In the Bible, we find Daniel... He's a wonderful example of a young man who decided early for God and was blessed. And when you look in the book of Daniel, we see in the very first chapter that he was taken to Babylon as a young man. In fact, the Persians began to train their young men at age 14 or 15. So he was probably a teenager when he was carried off to Babylon. And yet in that first chapter of Daniel, verse 8, it tells us, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. So here he is, a teenager. And he sets his direction for all his life. He purposed 
to honor God and God's ways. And he stepped away uh, from doing what was evil. That set his direction. Because we're going to find Daniel later in his book as an old man, practically 80, 90 years old, faithfully serving God. But it began right when he was a young man. He chose that direction. In the Protestant uh, Reformation, one of the reformers was Theodore uh, Beza. And in his last will and testament, it's interesting what he says. He thanked God for the mercy of having been, been called to the knowledge of the truth when he was a youth of 16 and that he would walk with God for the next 70 years. But that was one of the things he, he's grateful that God called him to Christ at age 16. Uh, that was a treasure for him. And, and that, that is special. It's interesting that many of our missionaries and, and pastors often will be saved at an early age, age six or seven. And that when they are called to the ministry, they'll have that call by age 12. That God will call them and set their direction. That's been my experience. Best time to start? Soon as you can, if you're young. I appreciate our young people are making decisions and uh, following after God. God will bless that. Now, if you're older, all hope is not lost. Realize that. We still have today. So if you want to start something new and, and begin get, getting more godly, and we can do that today. God will bless that and, and honor that. Isn't that right, Chuck? Okay, all right. I can pick on him. He can... So how do we do that? Well, David gives some good insights what we need to do in the following verses. Really practical advice uh, from lip, uh, how to live in God's Word. Uh, I like the story of a little boy that uh, asked his friend, why is your grandma reading the Bible all the time? As little friend answered him, well, I think she's cramming for her finals. And <laughs> We're all going to give an accounting. We all have a final exam coming up out there. How do we prepare? How do we build the home, a heart for God's Word? Well, verse 10 tells the starting place. Give your whole heart to God. David says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. That's where it starts. Many times I'll have uh, someone who may be deciding for Christ. They're going to ask, do I need to give this up? Do I need to quit doing this? How about this activity? And I'll tell them, here's what you need to do. You need to decide just one thing. Are you willing to give your heart to Christ? That's all you need to give. Now, now some have made fun of that about asking Jesus into your heart. But let me tell you, I think that is very biblical. That is very profound because that is a serious commitment when we give a whole heart to God. So if you're willing to do that, give your whole heart to God, He will take care of all those other things. But start there. Because that's where the 
battle will be won or lost there. And I want you to take, see what David says about the heart in this psalm. just really stands out. Let's just walk through. Look at verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Verse 11. We're going to look at that in a bit. Thy word I've hid in my heart. That I might not sin against thee. Verse 34. Give me understanding and I'll keep thy law. I, sh I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, not to covetousness. Verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me. Verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me. But I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Verse 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. Next verse also. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. Verse 145. I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I'll keep thy statutes. And verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. So, so we just see it just goes all the way through it. And notice how many times David says, I'm going to do this with a whole heart. He held nothing back. He gave everything to God. So we've got to begin with a whole heart Seeking God, giving that to Him. That's where it starts. Then next, we need to memorize God's Word. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know, how many of us have memorized or been working on a new verse this past month? We've got a new month to start? Get, get back on track. Start memorizing something. Pick a passage. We should be working on a passage to memorize. And notice David says that he hid God's word. That means to, uh, to lay up, to conceal, to treasure, to store up, usually with a purpose of protection. It's the word used to describe the mother of Moses when in Exodus 2 when it says that she hid him for three months after he was born. She, he was precious. And so she kept him hid to protect him. It's a word used in Joshua of Rahab when she hid the spies. And the woman took up the two men and hid them. You know, those things that they hid, the two spies and, and Moses as a baby, those were valuable. 
precious. And they did all they could to protect them and hide them. We're to do the same with God's word. James Boyce gives a very simple outline of verse 11, but it's wonderful. Let me just read it. He says, number one, the best thing, thy word. Number two, hidden in the best place, my heart. And number three, for the best purpose that I might not sin against thee. That, that is a great outline of that verse. I like that. From James Boyce. Always uh, kind of marvel at the story of a Christian that was traveling on a train in Europe. And he sat with a, a Buddhist monk. And so they got talking about their holy books. And the Buddhist monk says, well, how much do you know of your book? Why don't you tell me from memory what you know? Well, we know what happened. Five minutes and he was done. That's all he could memorize. The Buddhist monk said, let me quote from my book. And he went on for two hours and could have gone on longer. And he said, if your book is a book of life, how come you don't know it? That's a good question, isn't it? We need to be people of the book. Hide it in your heart. The other thing about the heart, we need to have a heart that wants to learn. Look at verse 12. Blessed art thou, Lord, teach me thy statutes. You know, Henry Ford, the great automaker, he said, anyone who stops learning is old, whether 20 or 80. And he's right. You stop learning, you're old. Anyone who keeps learning stays young. And I think Henry Ford is right. You see, the Christian life is really an adventure of faith. It's a daily growing experience. It's a daily learning experience. We never graduate or arrive. And I think we uh, went around and asked our older adults, and I asked them, do you think you've arrived? Do you, do you know everything? I think they would answer, far from it. I think the older we get, the, less we, the more we realize, the less we know. Isn't it? And especially the things of God's Word. In fact, the beauty of heaven and eternity is that we will have a growing experience with Jesus every day. It's never going to be stagnant. It's going to be growing. And we need a heart that wants to learn. You know, David had this kind of heart. Back in Psalm 25, he will say, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. He wanted to learn. Moses, the same way. Psalm 103 says that uh, God made known his ways unto Moses. Moses wanted to learn. And God revealed his ways. Paul had the same desire. To the believers of Philippi, he says, I count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He wanted to learn all he could about Jesus. In fact, he prayed for them that they would have that same 
experience. And I find it interesting looking at Daniel. Remember, we looked at him as a young man, teenager. He commits his way to Christ, to God. And it's interesting in Daniel 9, here he is, an old man, 80-some years, maybe 90. And there in the second verse, it says, In the first year of his reign, Darius, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. He, here he is, an old man, and he is reading the prophet Jeremiah. And he realized, you know, God told Jeremiah, my people are going to be carried off for 70 years for judgment. And Daniel got excited. He realized the 70 years were up. They are going to be going back. And he gives a great prayer and asks God to forgive them, confess his sin, and to have mercy on them and to begin to restore them in the land. But, but he, here he is, an old man, excited, awed, humbled by what he saw, what he learned. Then with that, we need to speak God's word. Look at verse 13. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Best way to learn anything is to speak or teach it to others. Uh, you'll learn a lot. Uh, I've learned much by preaching and teaching God's word. That's a privilege. And I'm thankful God's allowed me to do that. But every believer needs to have a teaching ministry. Speak about it. Declare what God is doing. And then we need to rejoice in God's word. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Now, remember the three stages of Bible study? What stage are you in? Uh, remember that there's the cod liver oil stage? Terrible tasting stuff. I've never tasted it. Don't want to. But it's kind of like God's Word. is kind of like taking medicine. We know it's good for us, and we just struggle with it. Then there's the shredded wheat stage. Plain but nourishing. And then there is the peaches and cream stage. That's where David was at. It, God's word to him was like peaches and cream. Or raspberries and cream. Take your pick. But David rejoiced in God's word. We need to rejoice in it. Just stay with it. There's a joy in it. And then meditate on God's word. Verse 15, I'll meditate in thy precepts. I like what Vance Havner says here. He says, speed reading may be a good thing, but it was never meant for the Bible. You're going to miss a whole lot if you try to speed read it. We just need to take the things of God, just kind of ponder them and turn them over in our mind. And, and just sometimes, you know, we might read great sections of chapters, but we need to have times where we also just, wow, just center on that passage. 
and maybe just reread it. You know, sometimes I've read a psalm every day for a week or two, and it just became richer and richer. Uh, one man came to a pastor one time and says, I just don't get anything out of my Bible reading. How can I read the Bible? The pastor said, you just need to read the Bible. And he says, here's what you need to do. Take Second Peter, and, I, and you just need to read it through completely five times a day. That's what he started doing. Every day he read through the book of Second Peter five times. You know what? God started to show him some stuff. And it completely changed him. Just stay with it. Delight in God's word. Verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. That's different than rejoicing. Rejoicing is, speaks of a festive joyfulness. Delight is a settled pleasure. It has a determination not to neglect Bible study. That's what delight is. For a coffee drinker, there's a delight, a settled pleasure in that first cup of coffee every morning. That's what David felt about God's Word. He delighted in it. It was a settled pleasure that was ongoing. Delight in God's Word. And we'll find that in time, our hearts will change because of God's Word as we make a home for it. And that's our need today. People who have hearts prepared for God's Word and changed by it. Ravi Zacharias in his book, Can, Can Man Live Without God? He shares in there a, a, a debate between a Christian apologist, Dennis Prager, who was debating an Oxford philosophy professor who was an atheist, Jonathan Glover. And Prager raised this question to the atheist. He said, if you, Professor Glover, were stranded at midnight in a desolate Los Angeles street, and as you stepped out of your car with fear and trembling, you were suddenly to hear the weight of pounding footsteps behind you. And you turn around and you see ten burly young men coming towards you. They have just stepped out of a dwelling and they're coming towards you. Would it or would it not make a difference to you to know that they were coming from a Bible study? <laughs> well, he really set them up good, didn't he? That's going to make all the difference where those guys are coming from. The heart. And that's what God's Word can do. Make a home for it. And I think that's really the call of Franklin Graham to God's people. That we would just basically follow verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O Lord. That's our call today. That's what our nation needs. God's people giving God a whole heart. Start there and let's see what God can do. 
I'm going to bring our team back up. Al and Fran and Sheila, come back up. We're going to sing, open our eyes. Open our hearts, Lord. Maybe today you need to come. Now, as I said earlier, today's the day. If we're going to do something, do it today. Come now. If God is calling you to do something, to make a change, make an adjustment, do it now. Give it to him now. If you need to come to the altar and pray, do it now. If you need me to share, talk with you, pray with you, I'll do that. But whatever God has impressed on your heart, do it today and follow through. Let's stand as we sing.